0: Have you ever wanted to run a yoga challenge but stopped yourself because you didn't know where to start? If so, you will love this podcast episode all about yoga challenges because it is a step by step description of all the most essential things you need to know and do to run a successful challenge. If you haven't thought about running a challenge before today or you didn't think it was a good fit for you, this episode may change your mind. My guest, Amanda McKinney, is a big believer in using challenges to build your audience and make marketing your paid offerings feel like a breeze. And her enthusiasm is infectious. Amanda is a marketing coach whose passion is helping yoga teachers find the confidence within themselves to build a thriving yoga business. Amanda has a master's degree in marketing as well as experience in the corporate world. She's the host of the Marketing Yoga with Confidence podcast, which you should definitely check out. If you're interested in learning about business for yoga teachers, I started this podcast because listening is my favorite way to learn. And as a listener, there's nothing I love more than a step-by-step nuts and bolts, how to episode. So let's jump right in. And I cannot wait for you to get this incredibly helpful guidance on how to run a successful yoga challenge. Amanda, welcome back to the yoga teacher resource podcast. Oh my goodness. Mendo. Thank
1: you so much for having me. I know what it's like as a podcast host to have someone come back onto a podcast. So I feel very, very special right now. So thank you. And you should,
0: you should, but I am <laughs> having you back on because you have a lot of really helpful, useful information to offer, including a skill set that I don't have. I've never run a challenge personally. So I'm excited to dive into challenges for yoga teachers, why they might want to build a challenge and then how to do it.
1: Mm -hmm. I love talking about yoga challenges. So this is right up my alley and I'm super excited to dive in about it today. So let's start with
0: the why in your experience, what is the benefit of running a challenge for yoga teachers and what should they really be thinking about before deciding to run a challenge? So there's, there's quite a few benefits of running a challenge. And I would
1: say, I always like to start this conversation with you can run a free challenge or a paid challenge. Equally so, um, more so, um, the, the more examples I have are free challenges because they're freaking fantastic for building an email list. And therefore your business, right? Because you've probably heard me and Mado saying like the health of your email list is really an indicator of the health of your business. And so if you're looking to grow your email list, if a yoga teacher came to one of us and said, I am just really struggling to grow my email list, but I know I need to do it. Then I would strongly sug- suggest hosting a free challenge. It would be one of the ways to do that. So that's a major benefit of welcoming people onto your email list. It's also a great way to give people, potential students or even students in your audience already, a taste of what it's like to be in one of your classes. Because yoga is something, no matter what type of yoga you're teaching, it's something that is very difficult to explain the benefits of. Um, I know that a lot of people often, not everyone, but a lot of people end up in a yoga class thinking more exercise based. And so we can often have that as part of the like, you know, here's come join my free challenge on, you know, touching your toes in five days or, you know, there's this exercise component to it. And that's not a bad thing because you, you can often get people in the door that way and then expose them to the greater benefits of yoga overall during your challenge. And therefore they get a taste of how you teach and you can really showcase you as a teacher during this free challenge to a greater group of people who can then join your paid offerings.
0: Perfect. So what I'm hearing you say is that the main benefits are one building your email list and two giving people a little taste of your own special sauce what it's like to work with you specifically. So I love that. And I'd love to hear a little bit about your personal experience, or maybe even you could pick a certain client that you've worked with what you have created or one of your clients has created Mm -hmm. using challenges. Oh my gosh, there's so
1: many in my head right now. That not that a wonderful feeling? Like, I'm like, oh, what do I pick? What do, Which one of these stories do I tell? So maybe what I can do at the beginning of this, kind of setting it up is saying, overall, the experiences I have had, as well as my clients have had, which are yoga teachers, by the way, every single one of them, that everyone I work with now is a yoga teacher. And every single one of them have struggled before in terms of like selling out an offering, whatever the offering was, a workshop, um, a class series, um, whatever the case may be at the end of this challenge, right? Or like the offering, right? And then they tried a challenge and it became a much more successful story. So for example, um, I'm thinking of, One of my students uh, works with infertility. And so she was thinking like, how can I I create a container where people can experience how I teach that isn't a community-based container? Because that's a very sensitive topic. And a lot of people will say, oh, just create a Facebook group. Oh, just do this thing. Well, a lot of people dealing with infertility do not wanna share their story until they know people. Right. And so having a container for, I'm not saying everyone who's working with infertility can't have a Facebook group. Like, let me be clear. (laughs) I should say that, but it wasn't working for her. She had a Facebook group. It wasn't working. So we took that away. She ran a challenge and the example was before she had like a handful of people taking advantage of her offering. And then she had over 300 people sign up for a free challenge.
0: Wow. That's
1: right. a huge difference. And then that, do you huge. know what
0: percentage of that 300 people ended up in her paid offer? I do. I do. I can't remember the exact percentage,
1: but if people can do math quicker than I can, have at it. Um she had 300 something. I have it actually like on my website at some point. It's like 345 people or something that went through it and then 70 something joined her membership. Wow. Pretty That's good.
0: A pretty awesome. conversion rate. Yeah. <laughs> Yes,
1: she did very, very well. And I must also say like there were there were other factors that she was doing. She was doing marketing. I was working with her one on one during the, that period of time. So I know much more about her specific example in that case. And so it worked really well because she had some other factors. I would never expect everyone to like start a free challenge and end up with 78 people paying for something at the end. Like that's probably a big lofty goal, but she was doing some other things, but there have been many, many other people in my audience. So since I opened up Yoga Challenge in a Box, which was last year, I've had several hundred students go through that and share their stories with me. And so the numbers are smaller, in terms of like, I had 30 people sign up for my challenge, but then I filled up my class series with the 10 people I needed, right? Like those numbers seem smaller than the 300 to 70, but just as impactful to the bottom line of your business. Like it doesn't really matter the numbers. It's like, do you know what you're selling at the
0: end and how many people do you need it to fill to be Right, and you have to start somewhere. So you have to start with a valid offer that people are interested Mm -hmm. in. And whether you validate that with 10 people or with 70 people is going to depend a lot on other factors, like you were saying. Right. So much so.
1: And so that, that really is, you asked me, what does someone need to think about before jumping into running a challenge? And it's really, what do you want to fill? Really? What, what is the offering that you want to fill? And I, and I would not suggest like saying like, I want to film my Tuesday class at 2 PM. (laughs) That's going to be like, I would say a specialty workshop, a class series, a, um, a group coaching program, whatever you want to do, some sort of program would be a better fit for a challenge. A membership is also a great option as well. A lot of people have memberships now.
0: Well, you and I have talked before about how these weekly drop-in classes, they lack one specific ingredient that makes them really difficult to turn into a sustainable business. And that is urgency. When you know that every single week this class is available and you don't have to make a commitment to it, most people just don't. True. (laughs) Very, very true. So let's jump right into the five steps to creating a successful
1: yoga challenge. Perfect. We really started talking about step number one. Step number one is deciding on the details. And the way that I like to think about this is start with the end in mind. What the heck do you want to sell at the end of this challenge? If someone came to me and said, I want to host a challenge. And I said, okay, well, what do you want to sell at the end? And they said, I don't know. I need to create something. I'll be like, whoa, we got to pump the brakes for a second and think about what do you already have? Now, maybe you wanna create something new, more power to you, but I would say, do you have something that's already created? Meaning, have you run a workshop before? Do you have this burning desire to host this workshop that you've been working on, but haven't really had the, the, the like kick in the pants <laughs> to actually launch it? Like, what do you wanna sell at the end? And let that inform the very specific topic for your challenge, because that is one very key component to running a challenge is that maybe needs to be specific because having a join my free five day yoga challenge, not gonna get the traction that a touch your toes in five days is going to have. So the specificity is going to be key and you wanna make sure it's specific so that you can sell the thing at the end. Okay,
0: I'm on board. We start with the end in mind, and then we get super specific and figure out how can I create a challenge that's gonna make this offering, hopefully something you've already created as the next logical step for people who complete the challenge. Right, and wrapped into that step,
1: as you can imagine, is deciding, okay, what are the dates? What are the dates? When am I gonna run this challenge? And so that again, starts with the offer, because if the offering is a workshop on April 3rd. I'm making this date up right now clearly, but like if you're running a workshop on April 3rd, you're not going to run the challenge on April 1st, right? Like you got to back it up and the timeline, the general timeline that I encourage and it would really depend on the offering. So this is this is very general. But I want everyone to market the challenge for one week meaning seven days, because there's usually a weekend in there, right? And so you might not be talking about it during the weekend or whatever your weekend is. So seven days before the challenge, you want to be talking about the challenge. The challenge is typically going to happen anywhere between three and five days is most people's challenges. Now, if your offering is something bigger and you need to take them through a longer period of a challenge, you can certainly do that. I've definitely seen people do 30 day challenges. At that point, I'm like, I feel like you should charge for it, but sometimes they're free and it's okay. It just depends on the offering, but typically speaking, it's three to five days. So the challenge will happen three to five days. And then the offering you wanna give it, like let's say if it's a specialty workshop, Maybe you want to give a full other week to be marketing that workshop so that you can get those people in. Again, it depends on the offering and how much lead time you need. You might need two weeks, but giving yourself that timeline, you can see like, can I run a challenge? Because sometimes if you're on a tight timeline with a workshop, you don't have time to run a challenge, but the next time you can plan for it.
0: Definitely. I love that. I think that time frame is super realistic and super helpful. And uh, yeah, when I think about 30 day challenges, when you're considering how long to run a challenge for, you have to realize that the longer the challenge, the more people are going to drop out. So if you're okay with that, if you're like, I only want the most committed people Mm -hmm. in my program (laughs) and I'm going to make them like, I'm going to make them prove to me that they're ready, then do a longer challenge. But if you're like, no, I want as many people as humanly possible in my challenge, then I'd be looking for three to five days too. I think that that is five days is pretty long. Personally, Mm -hmm. um, it would take, it would take a topic that I was really committed to for me to stick with the challenge for five days. Right, and for free. I think it's so
1: important to like clarify that like when people don't pay, they typically don't pay attention. Like that's just how we are as human beings. And, and so to sign up for something, you can get a lot of signups and most of the time, oh man, it breaks my heart when, when yoga teachers will reach out and say, Amanda, I got so many people signed up for this challenge, I'm so excited, but the engagement is so low. And that's when I come back and say, oh, my dear friend, I understand, I understand how frustrating this is, but please remember it's free. And so you're playing a numbers game a little bit here with a free challenge and and you are weeding out the people who don't need your offering. And so those people who are committed, who are engaged are going to be a better fit for the offering. And I also like to say when it comes to engagement, I'm so glad we're talking about this because it's so important, is that some people don't need to engage to get the value from the challenge. So I am an extrovert. I love talking to people. I love engaging, all things community-based. I'm like, I, I love it. I'm engaging all over the place when I'm in some sort of free or paid challenge, right? That's my personality. When I have time, now there's times when I don't have time and I can't do anything, but I wish I could, but there are people in my audience, people that hang out free. (laughs) Majo is raising her hand right now and um, people who pay, pay me in my membership every single month. And I used to get so worked up about it and say, I'm going to use you, Mado, right? But it's not you. Like, Mado, please tell me what I could do to make it better in my membership so that you'll feel like you want to engage more. And I hear from these people and they're like, Amanda, I don't want that. What you're giving me already is amazing. I just don't need the engagement. And so we also have to recognize that not everyone needs to engage.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point, that we can't necessarily gauge the success of our challenge by engagement. I mean, it is one factor to help you measure how vibrant it is, but it's not the only one. So later on in these steps, is there, are there going to be any tips about engagement? Sure. I can put them in there. I, okay. I can definitely put <laughs> some tips in there for well, sure. I think we're still only on step one, right? We are. We have to get one, to step two.
1: <laughs> yeah. Step one is just like figuring out the details. Basically, like if you can open up your journal, I suggest a Google doc or something electronic so you can't lose it. Um, Putting the details in. What's the topic? What's the offer? When it's happening? Those types of pieces of information. Once you have that, step number two is to outline all of the content and your to-do list. So first step is to map out each specific day. So if you're going to have a three or five day challenge, you need to know on day one, what is happening that day. And what I would say is know what you're providing to the person on the other end of the screen here on the other end of the challenge. And what you like how you're going to deliver it. So what you're providing, how you're going to deliver it, and the action you want them to take. So the the clarity comes when it's like, okay, I'm going to share for some reason, my mind is on restorative yoga because I love it so much. And I feel like it's like a, a lot of people have been talking about it lately because we all need it. And so if someone was going to do a restorative challenge of like how you can do restorative yoga at home, great challenge. Everyone who wants to teach restorative should do that challenge three, five days. And you decide, okay, I'm going to share three, like one each day for three days, three different poses. Okay, you need to outline what the pose is, how you're going to show them. Are you going to show them on video, on images, on a PDF? What the heck are you doing to show them what they need to like? Do you need couch cushions and a blanket and whatever? So you deliver that and then you say, what is the action you want them to take? Practice this pose today. Now, the piece that I like to really highlight here is you won't see that they're going to do it at home and that's awesome. So you won't see that. Now, some people's challenges are like post in the Facebook group and tell me you did X, Y, Z. That's awesome too. It just depends on what your challenge is and what is going to be successful for the person on the other end, like really honing in on what's helpful for them, not you as the challenge runner over here. Like that's not what you're going for. You're going for success for them. And so the other piece of this is that each day needs to be remarkably simple. Like, if you think, how don't they know this, you're on to
0: something good. It has to be super, 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 super simple. That puts me back in remembering this earlier conversation about engagement. If engagement's really important, then you might want to have a prize at the end of your challenge because then you can ask them not only to do the thing, but also to report the thing as a condition of being entered in to win the prize, basically. Mm -hmm. So you can, and the prize could be a free scholarship or a free ride to Mm -hmm. that program that you're selling. So that just gives you an, an extra chance to talk about that program. Heck yeah, and I'm a big
1: fan. I think that, um, especially if like, I just gave my overview of this is what you would do, that it can easily get skipped over, but I'm a huge fan of mentioning the offering throughout the challenge when it makes sense. For me, anytime I run a challenge, there's usually a live component to it because I enjoy going live, whether on Facebook or on Instagram or YouTube or Zoom or whatever the heck it is (laughs) during that challenge. I don't mind to go live. That's when it makes the most sense for me to be like, and I go deeper into this inside my membership, but I don't want you to focus on that right now. Today, I want you to focus on this thing. So I mention it, but I bring them back. You got to bring them back to like, here's what we're focused on today. We're not talking about what's at the end of the week, but mentioning it doesn't make the sale at the end so abrupt for them. And it helps us as the person running the challenge feel like, oh, I've already told them, I've already told them about this. So they know it's coming at the end. So it's not a surprise.
0: And you can even say, and don't worry, I'm going to tell you all about it at the end of the week. And that way it's like, you have not only told them about the thing, but you've already told them that you're going to tell them all the
1: details. (laughs) Yes, it's perfect. It takes that pressure away And I just highly would encourage anyone to do that. If you aren't having a live component, because there's a lot of challenges with no live component, you can still do this in an email, in the pre-recorded videos if you're doing that. What you wanna do is think about when does it make sense? You don't want it to be like a sales pitch in the middle of explaining a restorative pose. That would be weird. But there's usually a way, because remember you've created it from your offering when you create your challenge from your offering, everything ties together. So it's very easy to talk about both of them. So that's how you can do it. I
0: love how you're like, I'm going to tell you all the details. That was fantastic. Well, because everybody wants the details, Mm -hmm. but It might not be the right time or place. So you kind of soothe their, you get them excited to hear the details Mm -hmm. and you soothe their anxiety that they might miss out on something. It's like you kind of plant the anxiety and then you soothe it at the same time. It's a little bit manipulative, but we're all doing, you know, we're all using these tactics <laughs> for the greater good of our students, right. right? We all have something to offer that we genuinely believe is going right. to help people. And so we do need to understand the psychology of how people decide to make a purchase. And this is one of those things is there needs to be a little sense of, oh, I might miss out, I better pay attention. Mm-hmm. And then they'll really pay attention when you um, when you reveal those details because they were expecting it and they're not being blindsided by it. So. This is awesome. Let's let's move on to step three. Okay, I'm gonna put one more thing in
1: step two just to make, because I said it and I wanna explain a little bit. You want to outline all the content and your to-do list. Now, I am a big fan of doing as much as humanly possible before the challenge starts because then it allows you to be fully, fully present for the tech that inevitably Will throw you off during the week of a challenge. The questions you're going to get from people going live, if that's a part of your process, you can finalize and button up everything for your offering during the challenge week if you need to do that. So for me, I created a whole bunch of to-do lists. um, and, And so for me, I do as much as humanly possible before. Every single daily email is written. Every single video is recorded. Every single social media post is created. Now I recognize that I'm a little weird in that, but there isn't anyone who I know who hasn't been like, oh my gosh, how is this launch week so easy for you, Amanda? Like you're not even stressed out. And it's because two weeks before that, that's when I was stressed out. I was getting everything done two weeks before, but it allows me, because I have done this so many times, whether it's a challenge or a different type of a launch, there's always tech that goes wrong. There's always things that come up. And so I give myself as much bandwidth during the week of the challenge and the week of marketing the thing that's paid As humanly possible, so making a to-do list, whatever
0: that looks like for you, is important. Oh, I am so on the same page with you on that. (laughs) I will absolutely feel that stress of wanting to get prepared for whatever it is I'm doing, and I don't know where that came from because it's not—it wasn't something that this is not who I was as a young person or a young adult or something. I think it's like. This is like what it's like to be an adult. Yes. It's
1: adulting and it's weird and all kinds of words.
0: (laughs) But it just feels so good to have like, oh, I'm as prepared as I could possibly be. And now I can really show up for my people. Yes. And there's
1: just something like almost freeing about it. And I recognize, like, I, I feel like it's important to always say, like, there is a week, no matter where in this process. It is, there's a week where you are freaking busy and you're doing more in your business than you actually typically do because you're creating this content or you're writing extra emails. Like there's going to be a time period. For me, it usually looks like a week where I'm pretty, I don't want to say stressed out. I'm pretty, I'm more busy with things on my to-do list than typical. I just like that week to be before everyone else is seeing me more because then I can show up in a better way live and answering questions. There's more customer service questions that come through. It's just a lot when you're doing those types of things. So I find it better to be like, clear the schedule when the challenge is happening. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So are we ready for step three? Yes, we are ready for step three. So step three is to get everything on your calendar. So you made your to-do list in step two put everything on the calendar and get to work is step three. Like you have to do the work. And I, most people laugh when I say that, but I've personally witnessed many people, myself included, plan the heck out of something and then be like, mm, well, I don't know if I want to do that right now. And if you don't implement, it doesn't happen. I know it sounds like the the most simple thing, but it can really be possible where you do all of the planning for a challenge and for an offering and just literally don't launch it. Like you actually don't make it happen. So getting everything on the calendar, everything on your to-do list and the actual dates of it happening, and then doing the work
0: is step three. That's awesome. I think too. If it's your first time, you want might want to build in a buffer, like an extra <laughs> week, where you're like, okay, if everything's done, I'm gonna relax that week.
1: Yeah. And if it's
0: not, it probably won't be. <laughs> I can still be ready.
1: True, true. It's very true because, and you never know what's going to happen, and like life could throw you a curveball. We all know this you know if you've got kids they can get sick if he, you could get sick something like anything could happen where things can can throw you off your game a little bit and so on that note things can change you can change the dates of something all of that when something happens if you're just scared and nervous i'm going to i'm i want to be your friend and your coach in this moment and be like please keep going Please keep going and push through this because you'll be so happy you did. And if you give up, you'll be really upset at yourself that you did quit. (laughs) So I've seen both happen. So I would encourage everyone to just keep going and just remember that the first time you run a challenge is going to feel like, oh my gosh, this is awful. (laughs) There's so much I have to do. No one's signing up. No one's engaging, this is so hard. Magically, the second time is so much easier because even if it's a different challenge, which I don't suggest, I would say to run the same challenge several times, even if it's a different challenge, you've done it before. You never have to do this for the first time ever again. So just having that familiarity with it is fantastic. And you've got all the social media posts written. You've got all the emails written. You've got your templates. So after the first time, you can just tweak things and it it gets so much easier the second time, but you just gotta get through that first one. And I would say that
0: if you experience imposter syndrome, (laughs) then it's even more important to follow through on what you say you're gonna do. Because in my experience, that's the most powerful way to overcome issues of lack of confidence or imposter syndrome or whatever you wanna call your experiences of doubt. If you push through and you do it anyway, you build your own self-respect for yourself. But if you quit, then you reinforce the story of I can't. So Mm -hmm. just do it imperfectly, mess up, and you'll still learn to respect yourself more than if you gave up. Absolutely. I just feel like that was the mic drop
1: moment right there on this podcast episode, because (laughs) it's so true and like, you've got to follow through or else that story just keeps on going. That was good. Step number four is promoting and hosting your challenge. So we're combining those, but those are really two different weeks. So you, you have to invite people to the party. If you have this amazing party that you have planned because you've done all the things up until now, and you don't invite people to the party. You are partying by yourself and no one is helped by whatever it is that you're trying to help them with. So you have to do the promotional piece. The thing that is really fascinating to me is that most yoga teachers that I work with, most yoga teachers that we both know is like yoga teachers love to give away things for free. Love it. Love, 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 love to give away yoga for free. And that's awesome. Here's your chance, but you still have to promote it. And so there's like this barrier that happens. It's like, yes, you've got this free challenge that is packed with days of information, like amazing information that's really going to help people. And somehow there's still a barrier of stopping yourself from promoting it. And so I just like to call attention to that and say, this is your chance to give it away for free. Their their payment is their email address. This is something that can serve your audience and you can help those people who you do want to help for free. And there's going to be people who pay too at the end, but this is your chance. So you have to promote it for five slash seven days. I like to give seven days, but you don't have to say something every day if you want to take some weekend time, but I do heavily say, I want you to be talking about it every day. And so I'll get questions often like Amanda, I'm only on Instagram. Should I really be talking about this every day? My first thing is kudos to you. I love that you're only on Instagram and not trying to do all the things. Cause that's amazing. And yes, <laughs> I want you to talk about it every single day, but what you can do is Post about it one day. Go live about it on your Instagram account another day. Share in your story a a different day. Create a reel a different day. You can um, do, there's so many different things you can do on Instagram that you can not necessarily have to post a post every day, but you can still be active. Same thing with Facebook. Um, And not forgetting about the people who are already on your email list. Oftentimes, people are like, well, Amanda, didn't you just say it's for growing your email list? And I say, yeah, but those people on your email list are still your people. So tell them that they're invited to this awesome party you created because they're going to be your raving fans who tell other people about it. So you want to make sure you promote it. And then hosting it is like showing up and doing the work, making sure your people have all the information they need during that challenge week.
0: Yeah, and I have one thing that kind of covers both of those phases, which is that you have to just repeat yourself until you're blue in the face. Because whatever it is that you're sharing about, you're teaching about, you know it intimately, and so you only need to hear it once. But your audience needs to hear about it multiple times before they take action to sign up. And they need to probably hear the details of the challenge multiple times before they feel confident that they know what to do, what they're supposed to be doing during the challenge. So a lot of times, whether it's on social media or email, a lot of yoga teachers I work with and talk to say, oh, I'm afraid of bothering people. I'm like, well, if those people who are bothered by you sharing a way that you want to help them for free. They're not the right people to be following you anyway. So let them unfollow you and focus on the people who are like, oh my God, thank God you said that three times because the first time I was feeding my kids, the second time it was like just about to be carpool time. And then finally, this third time I remembered and I was able to sign up. So <laughs> they need they need your repetition. They need you to show up for them multiple times and not to assume that they're going to remember everything you say the first time you say it. It's so true. And I like, I think about how many
1: times you have to be reminded for something. I mean, I mean, I'm so thankful when Target or Amazon or wherever I'm shopping reminds me like, Hey, that laundry detergent is still in your cart. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yes. Thank you so much because I would have had no laundry detergent in two loads or whatever it is. Like it's so easy to move past something because our lives are moving so fast. Like you said, like carpool line or something happens, like the amount of times I've been on my phone looking at something, almost signed up for something that's free, a masterclass, a free challenge, a whatever, a discount of some sort. And it's like, like I think about being in the car and you're in like a line, uh, like I'm going to pick up a prescription or something and you're sitting there, I'm scrolling on Instagram. Oh, I definitely want to sign up for that. Put my name in. Well, by the time I put my name in car in front of me has, has gone forward. So I've got to put my phone down because I need to be a safe driver and drive forward. I have forgotten. I have magically forgotten about whatever that thing
0: was and my phone refreshed. So I'm never going to see it again. Exactly. And the other thing, especially on social media, is that the life cycle of a social media post is very short. And I don't know if you've noticed this, it's a total tangent, but it seems to be getting shorter. <laughs> yes, it seems really short. And,
1: and it, it just depends, right? We're recording this right now. And I would say, Instagram reels is like where it's at. If anyone wants to do anything on Instagram, it's like make some freaking reels because that's where it's at. That's what they're promoting. Who knows six months from now what it's going to be three months from now. But right now they're promoting and putting more reels in your feed. So if you're only posting, your people may never see it because Instagram is promoting other types of content. And so you just don't even get to control that sort of thing, which is another reason why email is so important. Take us down that tangent. But the point being, everyone has a very short attention span. And so you have to remind them about 45 times.
0: Exactly. Okay. We're,
1: I think we're in the last step. So Mm -hmm. step number five is invite people to your paid party. You can't forget that most people will, if you get there, it's like, if you didn't do the pre-work of telling people about the offering, the very pre-work of like deciding on the offering to inform your challenge, this last step can feel like haphazard and disjointed. But if you have done the pre-work of, I want to sell out my workshop on, whatever on, I want to sell my restorative yoga workshop, right? And so I'm going to host this three-day challenge on restorative yoga, doing it at home. Then everything is connected and you've talked about it. And the cell at the end is like, if you liked this, you're going to love this thing over here. And it's this amazing workshop and it becomes very easy But if you get to that point and you're feeling like, I don't, I'm so nervous. I don't want to sell. That would indicate to me some pre-work wasn't done. You didn't maybe connect it in the way that, because it's the next logical step, like you said, or you're just freaked out about selling. And it's like, we got to push through a little bit because you have an awesome, awesome offering at the end. That workshop, that class series, that private session, I don't care what it is. It's amazing. So we want people to register for it.
0: Definitely. And one of the things that you will learn through doing something free like this is how much more deeply you can help people when they pay you, because they Mm -hmm. will pay more attention. They will show up differently. And so if you really observe this and you observe how many people drop off of your free challenge, don't let that feed the message of, Oh, my message isn't good. Oh, my content isn't good. Let that feed the message of, wow, people really do need to pay to commit. So inviting them to the paid party is potentially a service to them. They still get to choose, right? You're not forcing Mm -hmm. them. You're not, you're not, there's no coercion involved. It's an invitation. Mm -hmm. And the people who are still with you at the end of those five days, they're like, super warm. These are the people who have already raised their hands and say, I'm super interested. Tell me what else there is. So it's the easiest selling situation out there really. Yeah. And So I'm about to possibly
1: blow some minds here because this is when like the magic really starts to happen, which often doesn't happen the first time you run a challenge, but it usually does when you run a challenge multiple times. And it's where let's say day two, you say something about, I'm going to tell you all the details at the end of the week, but I've got this thing. You'll start getting emails on that day two and day three, when you're mentioning this, and they'll say, how can I sign up right now? How can I get my spot with whatever it is? Because people start to raise their hand and they want more. They know if so-and-so is giving this in a free capacity, I wonder what it's like to work with them. Like, it's like they are, they start to ask, how can I do more? How can I work with you more? And so this naturally starts to happen. Now, please don't beat yourself up if this doesn't happen right away, because it does usually take time. Because what happens when you run a challenge multiple times is you run it once and you'll recognize, dang, they loved day two. They loved day two. No one cared about day three, but they they talked a little bit more about day four. Like You'll start to recognize what people like more of or... <laughs> Most often, you'll see like your thought of like what's simple day one? People are like, "Hold up, I feel like you missed a step. There needs to be a day zero. Like you, you might have to tell them something on the Sunday before the Monday happens. And so you'll start to to learn about what your people have questions about, where, They want more. And so the challenge just gets better and better and better, just like offerings do. Just like when you teach a class, the first time you teach it, it may or may not be crap. But the 50th time you teach it, it's amazing because it's slowly gotten better over time because you've recognized what you can do better as a teacher and how you can serve your students better and better every time. Same thing with the challenge.
0: Well, so we've made it through the five steps. Mm -hmm. Do you want to just really quickly recap those five steps and then share Mm -hmm. if there's anything else that you think yoga teachers should know about running a challenge? Sure. Okay. So
1: step number one is deciding the details. So knowing the topic, the dates, all of that good stuff. Number two is outlining all the content and making your to-do list. Step number three is getting everything on the calendar and doing the dang work. Step number four is promoting and hosting your challenge. Step number five is inviting people to your paid party. So those are the steps. And I feel like we've covered a lot, but I would say like, if you're thinking about running a challenge, I say do it. I say do it, keep it super, super, super simple. Do it um, think about the challenges that you've been a part of or find some and sign up for them. See how people run challenges, what you like about them, what you don't like, what, and just keep yours really, really simple and just test it and then do it again and again and again,
0: because that's where the magic happens. Nice. And I know you have a product available that is designed to make running challenges a lot easier for yoga teachers. So if you'd like to share how people can find that please do. Oh my gosh. That's so sweet
1: of you. Yes. As you can tell, I've worked with yoga teachers on challenges a lot. And so I basically asked my audience, like, how could I serve you better? And everyone said, can you write all the emails for me? Can you write all the social media posts for me? And so I did. So yoga challenge in a box is basically that. It's everything you need. It's the to-do list for before, during, after your challenge. It's all of the emails from promotional all the way through inviting people to your paid party. It's all of the social media posts as well. So I've written all of the templates for you. And so basically you buy it. You use all the templates and it saves a ton of time. Awesome. And we will include a link
0: in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Amanda. This was really, I mean, I I thought it was such a great conversation. There's so much detail about how to successfully run a challenge, but then it also extrapolates to other things you want to think about in when you're marketing, your marketing and selling your, your products. So I really appreciate this conversation. Thanks for taking the time. Oh,
1: thank you for having me. It's such a fun conversation. And if anyone has questions, I would say, find me on Instagram and ask me your challenge questions because I answer questions easier and quicker there than I do on Facebook. So I just like to call myself out and say, Instagram is where to find me. And I'll answer questions because I love getting the questions about challenges and just encouraging people because I've seen how much it can really help. So run a challenge.
0: Okay, I hope you feel super inspired to run your own yoga challenge at this point and hopefully empowered by knowing all the steps it will take to get there. If you do and you wanna make things a bit easier on yourself, definitely check out Amanda's Yoga Challenge in a Box. You can find it at teachingyoga.net slash challenge. Yoga challenges are basically one strategy to help move your potential clients along their journey in trusting you they can also be fantastic for building your email list and meeting new people, especially if you can figure out how to get your participants to invite their friends. If you end up doing a yoga challenge based on this episode, I'd love to hear about your results. You can reach out to me at Mado at teachingyoga.net or even DM me on Instagram, I'm at yoga.teacher.resource. One thing to be aware of when you run a challenge or really any major marketing event is they do always end up taking more time and energy than you expect. So always budget more time than you think you need and set up some strong structures to help you continue to prioritize your personal practice throughout the entire challenge. This will help you show up for your participants and also help you recover better after it's over. Actually, you know I recommend that you do this all the time whether you're running a challenge or not. Recently, I got thrown off my routine because my entire family got knocked down by a series of colds and sinus infections. Turns out all the social distancing and masks that prevented us from getting COVID this past year also prevented us from getting other viruses. Now we're vaccinated, things are loosening up, and those other viruses are jumping right back in. It's funny how when we're focused on how the lockdowns are disrupting our lives, It's easy to forget how getting sick will throw you off too. I hope you and your loved ones are staying healthy and that you're able to carve out time for your personal practice every day. If not, be patient with yourself and build back up slowly. As always, thank you so much for listening and thank you for caring enough to teach yoga.